drive time. Keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to God. Good morning to you. Good morning. Praise be to God. Did Pope Francis mention abortion when he spoke with Nancy Pelosi? Hmm. We're going to talk about that today. They just met. There's pictures of them hanging out, meeting. Uh, she's there uh, on official business, but as she says, it's a uh, personal and uh, a personal and a spiritual honor as well. And so we're going to cover that story coming up this hour, of course. But it's also Columbus Day. And it's uh, in some places, they've renamed it Indigenous Day. Um, so we're going to have a conversation about Christopher Columbus. About the myths surrounding Christopher Columbus. Uh, gold and slaves and, and all the rest. Sort of the evil and the greedy side, the, all of those myths that, uh, that are perpetuated today. In fact, there's a school in Toronto, a Catholic school in Toronto, that got into the book burning business to include books on Columbus. There's a story, I'll cover that in the What's Concerning Us. But to conversate about the sort of the myths of Christopher Columbus and sort of clear them up a little bit, we're going to invite someone who's not Catholic, an anthropologist with a degree from Harvard, uh, who wrote a book about Christopher Columbus to talk to us about his real motivations. What drove Christopher Columbus? What inspired him? How did he treat the indigenous peoples he encountered? Carol Delaney will be our guest. Her book is Columbus and the Quest for Jerusalem. And uh, that's been out for several, many years, I think. And she's going to be coming up at 35 past the hour. So it ought to be a very good show uh, this hour. We're very excited about it. Of course, if you can join us in the next hour, we will play our game Fear and Trembling with a brand new sponsor this week. New opportunities to win cool stuff and uh, maybe learn some things along the way. So we're looking forward to that. For those of you that can join us in the second hour, it ought to be good. Speaking of oppression, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be here. Praise be to God. Absolutely. You know, when I was in second grade, my first role as an actor, as a professional actor Mm -hmm. at uh, Moore Elementary Public School was uh, Christopher Columbus. So my my oppression days have gone very far back. (laughs) (laughs) Very far back. I can't believe you even remember. Remember the name of your school? So oh long man, ago. I loved. I I remember my uh, elementary school very much. So really, uh huh. I because I did a lot of fun things back then. But uh, Dr. Delaney, I actually interviewed her a year ago on my podcast uh, about this exact topic. So oh, yeah, it's great. I really like uh, Dr. Delaney. And just a uh, a breaking news, kind of uh, Father Maximilian Mary Dean. Uh, with the Franciscans of the Immaculate, yeah. I tried to get a hold of him to try to get him for an interview. Yeah. And he said uh, he doesn't really want to be interviewed uh, on a scale because, you know, he's a hermit. Yeah. And he just did it one time as a, you know, crazy thing happening. But he did say if you could just uh, pray for him and for his in the, the traditional communities um, to spread that message. So, so for be context, God. Father Maximilian Mary Dean is the friar and, uh, and hermit who was saying the Holy Mass for the poor Clares up in, uh, up in Pennsylvania and who are now receiving their apostolic visitation. Now, we, we had a, he was interviewed by LifeSite News, which is how we're referencing him. Uh, but we had a conversation with Henry Sear about his work on uh, revealing what happened to 
Father Dean's former organization, Religious Community, which was the uh, Franciscan Friars of the Immaculate, which received their apostolic visitation and then were essentially decimated afterwards. So he he left that. I think he said almost 20 years he was a part of that community and became a hermit. And so he began to say masses for the poor Clares, and uh, now they're they're receiving their visitation. So it's not good news, but uh, we'll be playing the Henry Sear conversation Probably this Wednesday. Week. Wednesday, okay, so look forward to that. But if you're on the CDT Insider email list, you received the entire interview already. So uh, it, it, being on the email list, it rece- you get goodies. You get goodies, let's just say. Well, praise be to God. I just want to say a real quick thank you to my friend Forrest out in Hondo, Texas, and Blake for their generous uh, allowing, being very generous to us and allowing myself and one of my sons to go camp and hunt on their property this weekend. That was very generous of you, uh, putting uh, some of the healthiest meat on planet Earth into the, my freezer to feed my family is something we we absolutely love and are very grateful for. So we had an excellent time. The The animals were amazing. I mean, it was like being in an African safari. It was so incredible to see these the diversity of these animals running by the camp, the star field, the, the scorpion. I mean, just everything about it was just incredible. To hear and access uh, a doe and buck bugle feet from you is like, it, it makes your heart skip a beat. It's so cool. So uh, praise be to God. Thank you for your generosity. All right, so we got to jump into it. We are going to have uh, several stories in the What's Concerning Us coming up at 15 past the hour. And then uh, we will talk about Christopher Columbus with Carol Delaney and her book, Columbus and the Quest for Jerusalem at 35 past the hour. So how about we dive in? How about we pray and get ourselves started? We are, of course, including your intentions, dear listener, in uh, our prayers today. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy. Hear and answer me. Amen. And now for the headlines. Associated Press reports Southwest Airlines cancels more than 1,000 flights over the weekend. Southwest Airlines canceled hundreds of flights over the weekend, blaming the woes of air traffic control issues and weather. The airline canceled more than 1,000 flights, or 28% of its schedule, as of 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time yesterday, according to Flight Tracker FlightAware. That was the highest rate by far of all the major U.S. airlines. Next were Allegiant and Spirit, which had respectively canceled 5% and 4%. American Airlines canceled 2% of its flights. Southwest Airlines said in an emailed statement that it had experienced weather challenges in its Florida airports at the beginning of the weekend, which were compounded by unexpected air traffic control issues in the same region. Those issues triggered delays and prompted significant cancellations for the airlines beginning Friday evening. The Boston Herald reports Facebook willing to open algorithms to regulators, Global VP says. Facebook's chief spokesman said the company is willing to subject itself to greater oversight to ensure its algorithms are performing as intended and aren't harming users. Nick Clegg, Facebook's vice president for global affairs, defended the company's business practices against accusations from a whistleblower that it had put profits ahead of users' well-being. The algorithms, quote, should be held to an account 
if necessary, by regulation so that people can match what our systems say they're supposed to do from what actually happens, unquote, Clegg said on CNN's State of the Union, one of three U.S. news shows appearances on Sunday. Clegg also said that Facebook is open to changing a 1996 provision of U.S. law that insulates companies from liability from what users post. Facebook is open to limiting those protections, quote, contingent on them applying the systems and their policies as they're supposed to, unquote, he said. Hmm, that whistleblower? She wanted more censorship, not less. I wonder how that goes. Hmm. News 4 in Jacksonville, Florida is reporting a Florida man is exonerated after a 1983 murder sues over imprisonment. A Florida man exonerated of a 1983 rape and murder after serving 37 years in prison is suing over his wrongful conviction in which a disproven bite mark was crucial evidence. Robert Duboy, 56 years old, was freed from prison in August of 2020 after long-shelved, untested DNA evidence from a rape kit proved he was innocent of slaying of 19-year-old Barbara Grams in Tampa, Florida. Grams was unfortunately and horrifically raped and beaten to death while walking home from her job at a restaurant August the 19th, 1983. No one else was arrested for her murder. In the federal lawsuit filed this week, Du Bois' attorney named as defendants the city of Tampa, four police investigators, and a forensic dentist who testified a bite mark on Grams' cheek was from Du Bois, based on a faulty beeswax mold made from his teeth. The lawsuit contends that investigators conspired with jailhouse informants to falsely implicate Du Bois in the Grams' killing and were guilty of misconduct in the handling of his case. Du Bois never confessed to anyone and maintained his innocence throughout, according to his lawyers. Washington Times reports a Navy engineer and his wife were charged with trying to pass secrets of nuclear submarines. A Navy nuclear engineer with access to military secrets has been charged with trying to pass information about the design of American nuclear-powered submarines to someone he thought was a representative of a foreign government, but who turned out to be an undercover FBI agent, the Justice Department said on Sunday. In a criminal complaint detailing espionage-related charges against Jonathan Toby, the government said he sold information for nearly the past year to a contact he believed represented, represented a foreign power. That country was not named in the court documents. Toby, 42 years old, was arrested in West Virginia on Saturday along with his wife Diana, 45, after he had placed a removable memory card at a prearranged dead drop in the state, according to the Justice Department. And those are your headline news. The saint of the day is Saint Maria Soledad Torres Acosta, who was born on the 2nd of December, 1826, in Madrid, Spain, as Emanuela Torres Acosta. She was a daughter of Francis Torres and Anita Acosta, who ran a small business. From her youth, Emanuela felt a call to the religious life. When she was old enough to leave home, she applied to the Dominicans, as all good people do, but she was rejected due to poor health. She spent much time in prayer and discerning her call to vocation. And in 1848, she was asked by a Servite tertiary priest to head a new com com community of women dedicated to ministering to the sick and the poor. 
She took the name Mary Soledad and dedicated herself to this new community, which in 1851 still numbered only seven. In 1855, the community split into two groups, one founding a new house in Ferdinand Po and helped uh, and half the remained with Mary Soledad and became the foundation of the Handmaids of Mary serving the sick. St. Mary was briefly relieved of her position and the group nearly fell apart. But she was soon reinstated. The community received diocesan approval in 1861 and Maria Soledad spent 35 years as superior of the order. She always led by example and the group made a name for themselves working with victims of the Madrid of Madrid, Spain during the, uh, the Clora epidemic in 1865. By the time of her death, there were 46 handmaids' houses across the world. She died on the 11th of October, 1887, of natural causes. She was canonized on the 25th of January, 1970, by Pope Paul VI. Santa Maria Soledad Torres Ocasta, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 11, verses 29 through 32. While still more people gathered in the crowd, Jesus said to them, This generation is an evil generation. It seeks a sign, but no sign will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Just as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. At the judgment, the Queen of the South will rise with the men of this generation, and she will condemn them because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And there is something greater than Solomon here. At the judgment, the men of Nineveh will arise with this generation and condemn it, because at the preaching of Jonah they repented. And there is something greater than Jonah here. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Haydock's commentary this morning said, Instead of a prodigy, in the heavens or in the air, I will give you one in the bosom of the earth, more wonderful than that of the prophet Jonas, who came out alive from the belly of the fish, which had swallowed him. Thus, I will return alive from the bosom of the earth three days after my death. He gave them a sign, not from heaven, for they were unworthy to behold it, but from the deep, the sign of his incarnation, not of his divinity, of his passion not of his glory. Wow. Praise be to Jesus Christ. There's so much that could be said. Maybe I'll say more next hour. But coming up after the short break, we're going to jump into some What's Concerning Us uh, stories and to include uh, Pope Francis meeting with Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi, especially after the Corleone uh, call for prayer and fasting. That's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Captain Drive Club. I'll be right back. Tell a friend. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you.
GloryandShine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. GloryandShine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At GloryandShine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, GloryandShine.com. Thank you again. The next National Men's March to End Abortion is Monday, November 15th in Baltimore. We will gather outside of a local abortion center and march to our rally point outside of the USCCB Fall Assembly. Men, it's time. Embrace Christ. Embrace His Word. And if you stand for life, oh my goodness, you'll put a smile on God's face and He'll bless you. Go to themensmarch.com for more information and commit to join us on November 15th in Baltimore. to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Was Christopher Columbus motivated by gold and slaves for the sake of these material resources? Did he want to enslave the population? Those are questions I want to ask. And our guest, Carol Delaney, is going to be coming up at 35 past this hour to help us understand the answers to those questions. She wrote a book called Columbus and the Quest for Jerusalem. She is not Catholic. She has a degree from Boston University and an MTS from Harvard. And uh, she has an incredible book. And we're going to be uh, conversating about that and Christopher Columbus at 35 past the hour. I want to jump into some stories that were very concerning to me at least um, over the weekend. Pope Francis and Nancy Pelosi meet at the Vatican. Now, what's interesting about this is this is just last week we were reporting Archbishop Corleone calling for prayer and fasting uh, for the conversion, for the reversion of Mrs. Pelosi, as well as many other of our political leaders here in the United States because of their public position and, and ardent support for abortion which is a, a crime, which is a, an intrinsic evil, which, according to natural law, no matter what creed you profess, is always wrong. Because we all know, because it's built in every single human person, that murder is wrong. No matter who you are, where you come from on planet Earth, that still remains true. Uh, murder is wrong. And, uh, and so this was a very interesting headline to see, oh, maybe, maybe, just maybe, this is a moment of great dialogue. Maybe this is that moment where you meet people where they're at, you smell a little bit like the sheep, and you encounter them and disciple them and help them on their journey to where they got to go. Well, praise be to God. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? We would love that. I mean, who wouldn't love to know that the Pope, the Vicar of Christ on Earth, met with one of the most ardent pro-abortion supporters who claims to be Catholic, raised Catholic, but in complete denial and defying church teaching on this supreme issue of abortion, uh, and helped her to overcome that and come back into the, into the into full communion with the church. That would be, like, utterly amazing. We would love that. Who wouldn't love that? I would love it. But let me read a little bit of this article from the Catholic News Agency. Uh, I'm sure on my desktop there, Adrian. Uh, Pope Francis met with House Speaker Nancy Pelosi on Saturday. At the time of publication, the Vatican had, had released no information about what the Pope and Pelosi discussed in line with its usual custom of papal meetings with non-heads of state. At the time, okay, so we don't know what they talked about officially, 
There's no information there. Quote, but it noted the audience in its daily bulletin for October the 9th saying that the House Speaker was accompanied by her husband, the businessman, Paul Pelosi, and entourage. Photographers released by the Vatican, uh, photographs rather released by the Vatican showed that Pelosi also met with Secretary of State Cardinal Pietro Perolin and Foreign Minister Archbishop Paul Gallagher. The first Italian-American Speaker of the House was in Rome to give the keynote address at the opening session of the G20 Parliamentary Speakers Summit. She also met with the Italian Prime Minister. The day before her audience with the Pope, the 81-year-old discussed the environment, migration, and human rights during her visit to the Vatican. The Vatican Dicastery for Promoting Integral Human Development announced the visit on October the 8th in a post on its Twitter account. Pelosi was accompanied to the Vatican on Friday by Patrick Connell and uh, the U.S. Embassies, uh, U.S. Embassy of the Holy See. On the same day, the White House announced that former U.S. Secretary, Senator Joe Donnelly of Indiana is President Joe Biden's nominee for U.S. Ambassador to the Holy See. Pelosi, a Catholic mother of five, has clashed repeatedly with the Archbishop of her home diocese over her support for abortion. Archbishop Salvatore Corleone launched a prayer campaign last month aimed at inspiring a conversation of heart among politicians supporting abortion. Quote, a conversion of heart of the majority of our congressional representatives is needed on this issue, beginning with the leader of the House, Speaker Nancy Pelosi, the San Francisco Archbishop said. He says, quote, I am therefore inviting all Catholics to join in a massive and visible campaign of prayer and fasting for Speaker Pelosi. Commit to praying one rosary a week and fasting on Fridays for her conversion of heart, unquote. Cordelione urged Catholics and people of goodwill to sign up for the Rose and Rosary for Nancy Pelosi campaign. Um, you can read the rest of it there, but here's, here's what gets me. Now, we don't know. It's quite possible. Because we don't know. We have no idea what their private conversation was. We can hold out hope, praise be to God, that the Pope, uh, in his role as Vicar of Christ, as the pastor of souls uh, on planet Earth, that he would reach out to the most ardent, most notorious, or at least one of them, uh, pro-abortion Catholics in America, let alone the world, and say, hey, listen, abortion, as you know, ends the life of an innocent child who has its own body, by you, by the way. And, uh, and it always loses. It doesn't get a say, a vote, an opinion. You know, it doesn't get any of that. It just loses. So this is natural law. It is a, it is a big, huge, very serious issue. And as a Catholic, you should know that. You should know that. And what do we need to do to bring you back in. What do we need to do to help you better understand this from a life perspective? Maybe they had that conversation. Maybe. I don't know. I, I somehow, I guess, doubt it. But maybe they had it, and I would love to hear that they did. Praise be to God. Wouldn't that be amazing if we heard that they had that conversation? How incredible would that be? I hope it doesn't go the other way, though. I hope that Archbishop Corleone doesn't get pressured for and told to lay off of Nancy Pelosi. Or, uh, you know, Joe Biden or any of these others. I hope it doesn't go that way. But here's the other thing about Corleone that, that sort of sparks my interest. I love the fact that Corleone is calling for prayer and fasting for Nancy Pelosi and others. I think it's awesome. I think it's amazing. I think we ought to be doing that. But I also wonder, 
how far does this have to go before you you decide that she's not going to listen? She has hardened her heart. She is resisting church teaching ardently, intentionally, and willfully. And therefore, an excommunication is now necessary as a last-ditch effort to, to loosen that hardened heart, to remove the stone and bring back the flesh in the hopes and goal of bringing her back into the church in full communion and good standing. I mean, at what point? Now, you, well, Joe, she's self-excommunicated when she, when she takes this position. I, okay, yes, that's true. However, comma, this is a public scandal that deserves a public response. It's a principle. And at what point do the, does the bishop, and why is the bishop so resistant to use this tool at his disposal for the salvation of souls? I'm just curious. We've heard this tool being used against people who would deny uh, Vatican II. We've heard uh, this tool being used elsewhere, but we haven't heard it being used against pro-choice Catholics who are ardent and resistant repeatedly for years and years. It's not new that Nancy Pelosi rejects this part of church teaching. It is not new. It's been around a long time. Uh, Joe Biden as well, and others. So at what point? I'm curious. Uh, Adrian, did you want to chime in? You know, one thing that I think is interesting to note is the fact that whenever Speaker Pelosi met with uh, Benedict XVI about a few, oh man, that was a long time ago at this point. I'm forgetting how long it's been since Benedict has, was Pope. Uh, but the he refused to have a photo op with her because he wanted to emphasize the point. He didn't want to have a tacit approval for uh, her position. They didn't want her be, to be able to use the fact that she is doing a photo op with the Holy Father yeah. as a, a campaign slogan, as a way to show, hey, look, I'm Catholic. I'm I'm hanging out with the Pope. Right. And so this is a, it's very important. So, yes, it's, it is important for the Pope, the Holy Father, and the local bishops to meet with these uh, politicians. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but it is important to note that they're going to use this kind of thing as a publicity tool and do not give them the chance to use it as a publicity tool. Don't allow the photo op and things like this and it's not like they can just sneak in a camera it's the holy father for crying out loud no the photographs have to be officially released exactly. by the vatican themselves mm-hmm. so we don't know we can hold out hope and i would love to hear wouldn't it be amazing praise be to god to hear that uh, in fact they had that conversation I, I i would just give god praise and i would i would certainly sing the praises of pope francis for doing so um but call me the naysayer. Right. I just somehow doubt that that's the case. Definitely. I think also one other thing that um, we should mention is that uh, right before this happened, or immediately after this happened, allegedly she was uh, heckled out of a church. Yes, I heard that too. Um, the I believe I have to go Saint back Patrick's. and check. Bree Dale. Uh, reported that this was actually not true. She was not heckled out of the church. She left due to the fact that um, there were protesters. There was protests nearby, and the, her security detail had said that you know this uh, might be dangerous. Uh, let's get her out of here. Yeah. And so she was not heckled out of the church, as uh, some people were reporting. The report that I heard uh, this morning was that she was uh, she left for this exactly what you just said for security reasons because the protesters weren't there to protest her. They were there to protest the vaccine mandates. Right, exactly. And so it's important to note that because it's all over social media. It was trending. She was heckled out of the church. It was all over the place. So 
I just thought it was important to yeah. uh, make that clarification. Yeah. All right. Well, praise be to God. We'll be ke- keeping an eye on this. And and like I said, if something gets reported as to the nature of their actual conversation besides climate change, we'll let you know. But we're not uh, we're not holding our breaths a whole lot there. All right. So let's. I want to switch while we have a few minutes here to uh, another story. Um, that I saw that disturbed me, and that was coming out of Toronto. Uh, the headline out of the National Catholic Register says, Indigenous, quote, expert, unquote, who advised book burnings at Catholic schools in Canada draws scrutiny. Hmm, book burnings. Interesting. Now, back in the day, we would burn books. Why? Because they were heretical. They taught heresy. They would corrupt minds, and therefore they were dangerous. Now, I can appreciate that. Uh, several years ago, my wife and I discovered a, a book, a Lego book of the Bible, and it had pictures, illustrations that were scenes built out of Legos, and we thought, this is amazing! And then we discovered that it was a corrupt, and that we discovered that it was teaching this perversity, this sexual perversities in there, and it was actually Actually, quite horrible when we discovered. Well, we were shocked. Our oldest son is the one who tipped us off, and we were utterly disgusted by it. And I, I wouldn't even want to give it away. I threw it away, destroyed it, because I didn't want anybody else to be uh, corrupted by this. So I can appreciate that. But here's a little bit of the story out of Toronto. Here it says a, a Catholic school district in Canada that decided to burn 30 library books about the indigenous people and remove some 4,700 others due to alleged mistakes and insensitive portrayals. Took advice from a woman whose indigenous status and expertise is now in question. "Quote: We are we were not aware that Susie Keys does not have Indian status under federal law and and since." sincerely believed that we had the opportunity to work with an experienced indigenous knowledge keeper, unquote. Lynn Cossett, a spokesperson for the school board in Southwest Ontario, told the Toronto Sun, going on to say, quote, these revelations have prompted us to rethink our library review process, Cossett said. Hmm, you think maybe we ought not to be consulting indigenous knowledge keepers about uh, things love this nature to burn books that included books on Christopher Columbus, by the way. Very concerning story that we have Catholic schools so willing to go down this road and to ignore even common sense. Get rid of the bad, keep the good. We'll be right back. What's concerning us? It's a great segment, but we have a guest segment next. First John 2.27 reads, You have no need that anyone should teach you, as his anointing, the Holy Spirit that is, teaches you about everything. Sounds pretty Protestant, doesn't it? No living teaching authority and just me and the Holy Spirit? Was John Protestant? Absolutely not. And here are some reasons why. First, John can't be rejecting a living teaching authority because in 1 John 4, 6, he instructs his readers that the apostles' teaching is the criterion for discerning truth from error. So what does John mean? He's warning his readers against false teachers. In 1 John 2, 19, he writes, Some went out from us, but they were not of us. If false teachers, well, then there must be true teachers. Sure, the Spirit teaches Christians the truth, but He does so through the living teaching authority, not apart from it. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. 
And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean, and here are the headline news. Epic Times reports China braces for possible large-scale COVID-19 outbreak, according to leaked CCP documents. The Chinese regime has notified local authorities to prepare for a large-scale outbreak of COVID-19, according to leaked internal documents obtained by the Chinese version of Epic Times. The documents are both marked extra-urgent, Both notices request enhanced preparations for an emergency response to the outbreak, with the Chinese Communist Party putting forward at least two standards for local authorities. One is to build central isolation sites, with local authorities required by the end of October to create facilities of not less than 20 rooms per 10,000 people. The scale of each isolation site must be more than 100 rooms. Based on the standards set in the notice, Fujian province will need to build at least 83,000 quarantine rooms by the end of October, which is about 47,000 rooms in less than a month. According to the one expert, the requirements of the COVID-19 quarantine sites reveal the real situation of the pandemic in China. LifeSite News reports Texas Heartbeat Act reinstated by federal appeals court. Just days after a lower court blocked enforcement of the Texas Heartbeat Act, the Lone Star State's sweeping pro-life legislation banning most abortions after a federal heartbeat can be detected, a federal appeals court reinstated the life-saving law on Friday night. The move comes after a district court judge granted a request by the Biden administration to halt the legislation and signals a win for the pro-life movement ahead of crucial case on the Supreme Court docket that could see Roe v. Wade overturned by next year. The Catholic News Agency, or rather the Catholic News Service, recorded uh, Pope meets Pelosi with speak of a legislation on the COP26 meeting. Pope Francis met privately at the Vatican October the 9th with U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, who was in Rome to speak at the meeting of legislators from around the world in preparation for the U.N. Climate Summit. The Vatican released photos of Pelosi's meeting with the Pope, but provided no details of the encounter, which took place before Pope Francis addressed the pre-COP26 parliamentary meeting. Pelosi, a Catholic, said in a statement that it was, quote, a spiritual, personal, and official honor, unquote, to have an audience with the Pope. Because Pelosi supports legalized abortion, her Archbishop, Archbishop Salvatore Corleone of San Francisco, asked, quote, all Catholics and others of goodwill, unquote, to join uh, in a prayer and fasting campaign for Pelosi's conversion. A conversion, he goes on to say, of heart of the majority of the congressional representatives is needed on the issue, beginning with the leader of the House, Speaker Pelosi, according to Archbishop Corleone in a statement September the 29th. In her keynote address to fellow legislators from around the world in the meeting in Rome, October the 8th, Pelosi said world governments must take bold action in their own countries and when they meet for COP26 in Glasgow, Scotland in November. And lastly, Fox News reports Colorado vandals deface the Catholic cathedral with, quote, Satan lives here, unquote. The graffiti also mocked Jesus and maligned priests. And those are your headline news. Praise be, to, praise be to God in all things. Joining us right now via Zoom chat is the author of Columbus and the Quest 
for Jerusalem, Carol Delaney. Good morning to you, Carol. Thank you for your time today. Good morning. Praise be to God. An anthropologist, a degree from Boston U and an, and an MTS from Harvard. Uh, we're very excited to have a conversation about Christopher Columbus because it would seem that uh, in our time and our age, uh, his reputation has been maligned quite a bit through myth and mythology even, and uh, you wrote a great book that sort of dives into the subject. So I want to jump into that and, and ask what, from your research and, and your work, what motivated Christopher Columbus to make that ocean crossing, which he uh, had probably a lot of uncertainties about? Well, first of all, I can't see you. Is there, It says a meeting host will let you in soon. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you, Carol. We're on the radio, by the way, so uh, we'll, we'll, have Adrian, oh, we'll let Adrian work out the, uh, the video part, but can you tell us what motivated Christopher Columbus to cross the ocean? Um, well, in the fall of uh, 1999, I was teaching a class at Stanford called Millennial Fever to observe the apocalyptic frenzy that was gripping the United States over the turn of the millennium. But we also explored the history of the religious underpinnings of apocalyptic millennial thought. And a very small footnote, I came across Columbus's apocalyptic millennial beliefs. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'd never heard of them. And when I asked historians at Stanford, um, none of them either had heard any of those. So I guess it's not so surprising, as more than 20 years ago, theologian scholar Leonard Sweet wrote, and I quote, Scholars most interested in millennialism have largely ignored Columbus, and those scholars most interested in Columbus have skipped over his millennialism, because to delve into it would mean taking a medieval journey into mysticism, dreams, visions, poetry, monasticism, crusading ideology, prophecies, messianic illusions, apocalypticism, and millennialism, mm. a journey few academics have wished to take. So, in other words, they would have to understand the greater context of the times and the age and the politics and everything else to, yeah, to truly wrap their minds around what would motivate someone like a Christopher Columbus and those that would sponsor him to make a crossing. And uh, I think the myth is that his intentions were bad, that he wanted gold and slaves and all the rest and, and world domination, I suppose. Uh, but what did you find? Well, first of all, I'm a little confused. I thought I was going to sort of read my paper, but are you just going to keep asking questions? I, yeah, I would I'd prefer a dialogue if possible. Okay, so I've got my paper in front of me. I might have to look up some things. What did you just ask? Well, well so his motivation, he has this, uh, this desire, this apocalyptic desire that you mentioned. That uh, The myth, the modern myth, is that he had his intentions were wrong, were evil. He wanted to... Uh, collect the gold and maybe enslave the population. So is that true? Is that really what, what uh, motivated him, and how did he truly act uh, when he made the crossing? Um, that was not at all part of his thing. He thought he was going to sail across the ocean, like um, instead of going the other way, as Marco Polo had, to go to China to set up a trading post uh, the profits from which were to finance a crusade to take Jerusalem back from the Muslims before the end of the world. So they were hoping they would make that trade with India and they would get the extra resources that would be necessary. But when he lands in uh, what is today um, uh, Cuba His, and, and, Hispaniola, and, yeah, and right. Haiti, um, and he encounters these people, how, how does he act? How does he, in, how does he encounter these people? 
he was very friendly with them. And after a while, he um, learned their language. He, one of them, he became very good friends with the chief. One of the uh, sons of the chief became his adopted godson. Wow. And traveled with him on his other voyages. That's amazing. So he, he was very friendly with them, but the men that came that were sent over later by Isabella were, were rapacious and did horrible things. And uh, Columbus, at one point, even hung a couple of them for the things that they had done. <laughs> I find that fascinating because he does get the bad rap, but we don't we don't even know the other people he hung. We don't know their. I mean, we're sure we can look them up, but my point is, modern society has no idea who those people are. They just see Christopher Columbus. And they uh, they blame him for all atrocities committed by anybody coming from Europe into this country. Um, right. uh, so he 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 comes and he does seek gold. He does want to find those resources to send back to Europe, as you just stated. Um, how do you? Was it just a series of bad choices that led to the sending of these other people that seem to have a, a lot more greed in their motivations? Uh, that I don't. Know. I just want to read you something Go that I sure. wanted. Um, this is what he wrote. I in order. This is about the native people. His idea was one of benevolence, and he wrote, "I, in order that they would be friendly to us, because I recognize that they were a people who would be better freed and converted to our holy faith by love than by force. I gave them red caps and glass beads and many other small things in which they took such so much pleasure and became so much our friends." It was a marvel. Wow. And the natives, the natives came swimming to the ships, and they brought us parrots and cotton thread and many other things and traded them to us. And then uh, here's his description, and I quote, All of them go around naked as their mothers bore them. They are very well formed with handsome bodies and good faces. Their hair is coarse, almost like that, a tail of the horse, short except for a little in the back that they wear long. And the natives on their side must have been astonished to see all these heavily dressed men with beards mm. since they had no facial hair. And Columbus also marveled at their small boats that he would later call by their name canoe. <laughs> so that was one of the great gifts. Wow. Um, that certainly doesn't sound like uh, the description of somebody who is looking to dominate or enslave. Not at all. No. What? What? No. We're talking with Carol Delaney, by the way. Her book is called Columbus and the Quest for Jerusalem. And you can find it also on our website, caroldelaney.com. And uh, what was the most surprising thing from your work in perspective of Christopher Columbus? Was there anything that you just assumed going into the project that you discovered wasn't true coming out? That's a hard question. It's been so long now. Um, you know, there were all these horrible things going on about him. You know, on Columbus Day and everything, people wanted to get rid of. But, um, and I'm not, it's been a long time, so I'm not quite sure. Okay, what, well, hold, what, it, what was. hold that thought. We have a short break we have to take. The music means we have to go to break. But we're only going to be gone for a minute and a half or two, and then we'll be right back with Carol Delaney, continue our conversation about her book, her work, and Christopher Columbus. Again, it's Christopher Columbus, or Columbus, and the quest for Jerusalem. CarolDelaney.com is the website. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time is coming up next. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. 
Have you ever noticed that the world associates fanaticism with religion? But G.K. Chesterton says that the strangest fanaticism that fills our time is the fanatical hatred of morality, especially of Christian morality. It is the irreligious who are fanatical in their hatred of religion. They hate religion because religion is the only basis for morality. They hate morality because it is clear. And they prefer things to be vague, vague to the point where they can call wrongs rights. But we cannot call something a right when it defies God's laws. We can only call it a sin because all rights come from God and God is not going to break his own laws. Neither should we. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects homebuyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to God. It's good to be on with you. Our guest is Carol Delaney. Her book is Columbus and the Quest for Jerusalem at caroldelaney.com is her website. So check that out. Uh, Carol, good morning to you again. Thank you for your time. Uh, let's talk about, uh, so he, he arrives, he loses two ships in the process, got one left, he's got to leave people behind. But he goes back uh, to Spain and he brings some of the indigenous people with him. Now, uh, I think uh, modern rumors would say he enslaved those people. What actually happened? Oh, not at all. Uh, some of them wanted, to, a lot of them wanted to go back, but he could only take six of them. And they were introduced at court. They were baptized. Uh, one became his adopted, uh, well, sort of godson. Several of them decided to remain at court and the others came back. It is said that uh, that she was that one of them uh, was killed. Um, is that true that they they killed one of them? Not that I know of. Yeah, I think I don't, I don't know what your, you know, some of the people who came later killed them, but um, not that I know of. And uh, whenever they, whenever Columbus came, you know, there's a lot of modern era, like modern people try to say that Christopher Columbus uh, is a horrible holiday. Where do you think this idea of a uh, hatred for Christopher Columbus comes from? I really don't know. I think people just don't know anything about the man, and I hope they read my book, because <laughs> I think he was a good guy. Do you he seems to be very benevolent um, toward the natives, um, and he even punished some of his own men when they did horrible things. Do you, do you think Christopher Columbus was not a good administrator? I mean, he was an explorer. He wasn't a conquistador. Right. Uh, that he, may be that may be the case. Probably not, and certainly not with these rapacious men. Because when he was off, uh, either traveling to and from Spain or, or exploring, his men were probably left to their own, their own wiles. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, do you think that, so, like, the, for, in, for instance, there are many people today that have stopped celebrating Christopher Columbus. They have taken down the statues, and they, oh, I- and they have begun celebrating indigenous day 
Do you, I mean, you're not Catholic as far as I know. You can correct me, please do. But uh, uh, from your perspective, do you think that's fair and just to Christopher Columbus? Not at all. I think more people need to learn more about him because he was a good guy. Um, And I think, um, you know, he treated the indigenous people very well. As I told you, one became his godson. Um, And what was the other part of the question now? Well, just this sort of hijacking of Christopher Columbus's reputation and and used as sort of a political punching bag for well, for I think that there there should be an indigenous people's day but not as a replacement and not celebrated on the same day. Mm. I think they should be separate days and that people should be educated more about Columbus. Yeah. For sure. Uh, again, we're speaking with Carol Delaney. The book is called Columbus and the Quest for Jerusalem. You can find it uh, linked up at, col- at caroldelaney.com. I assume it's also available elsewhere, like Amazon and, and all oh, that. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, and, praise you know, One thing uh, that'd be interesting is, why did you choose the title Columbus and the Quest for Jerusalem? What was the historical context going on, and why uh, a quest for Jerusalem? Um, he was, you know, hoping... He thought he was sailing, first of all, to China, and he was going to set up a trading post, as had Marco Polo, the profits from which were to be used to take Jerusalem away from the Muslims. It had to be in Christian hands, according to him and everybody else then. It had to be in Christian hands because that's where Christ was supposed to return, you know, and save everybody. And so whenever, so you're saying that uh, from Columbus's standpoint, he was, he thought that his, uh, his duty was to fund the Crusades with the money he was receiving, uh, that he would have received going to the other direction towards China. Uh, a lot of people will say then that uh, Columbus was actually a failure because he thought he was going to China, but he foolishly landed in the, in the New World. So can you really say that he's a, hero, a hero and a smart man? I mean, he went the wrong way. Uh, I don't think he went the wrong way. He couldn't go the other way. He didn't want to go around Africa because the Pope had divided the Atlantic Ocean and given uh, one side to the Portuguese. So he couldn't go that way. Mm. And he had to go west, which nobody, you know, had gone. Nobody knew that anyone had gone there before. And of course, nobody knew about the American continent in the way. He thought he was still going to China. And when he arrived in Hispaniola, he thought he was on the periphery, Mm. you know, and he made friends with the natives. He eventually learned their language um, and they set up a trading post. A a little bit ago, we were talking about the six that were brought back and all baptized, Mm -hmm. uh, or at least the the surviving members. But um, I think you quoted this in some interviews and speeches that you've given on the subject and in, in your book about his comments to uh, to uh, Isabel in uh, Spain, uh, ba- basically wanting these people to be baptized, and he had such uh, affection for them. You, oh, yeah. you made a quote earlier, but I think there was a statement where uh, it was his intention, and it seemed to be her intention for these people to be baptized, to be made Christians, and to be treated as equals. Is that the case? Yes. Do you remember that? Do you remember that quote that you put in? And your book about that? No, I don't. Oh, uh, it was. Uh, it's a beautiful quote. I, w- I wish we did remember it because it. I think it really speaks to the issue of of his intention and what was really going on as compared to the modern 
opinion of, of Christopher Columbus. I mean, they've taken his statues down, and there's a in right. I think it's in Philadelphia or someplace in Pennsylvania. They've got a box covering the Columbus statue, and oh, Lord. <laughs> it's it, terrible. It's just yeah, it's silly. He said, "I believe in this world there are no better people or better land. They love their neighbors like themselves. They have the sweetest speech in the world. Are gentle." and always laughing. They seem to be natural Christians, and he hoped that friars would soon be sent over to teach them, and they would become true Christians and thus saved. Wow. Wow, that, yeah. that's amazing. And one thing that I learned from your book was uh, the the fact that Christopher Columbus, on his voyage back to, to Spain, he ended up becoming a Franciscan friar, uh, tertiary, and then uh, he ended up wearing his habit the rest of his life, could you speak about that, the influence of the Franciscans um, and his trip back to Spain and then back to the New World? Well, you, you just said it. I mean, he was so upset by everything that was going on. He was very much a, a Christian, and he decided then to become a lay Franciscan monk. And it said that he wore the robes for the rest of his life. Mm, wow. Yeah. What about the time he's taken back in chains? What happened there? Oh, well, then it was these horrible men that had been sent over, you know, after the place had been discovered and Isabella sent more people over. I mean, there were like hundreds of them and they put him in chains. They didn't like him and sent him back. And their motivations were clearly different then. They were oh, yeah. happy Absolutely. to exploit the indigenous people and yes. and seek yes. the wealth and the, and the glory for themselves. Um, yep. what, what a tragedy to see someone with such uh, with much better intentions, good intentions, uh, to to end in this in this way. It seems rather crazy to me. Your book is going on ten years old now. It's like nine nine years old and plus. Uh, is there anything that you would have changed now looking back on this last decade of your book? That's a good question. I never really have thought about it. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good sign. That's a good sign. That's a good sign. Yeah. Praise be to God. I, mean, I, I might say, you know, that might have said more at the beginning that, you know, people really need to know more about Columbus because I really do, I'm so upset when I see them taking down statues mm. or defacing them or, mm. you know, doing whatever, removing Columbus Day. I felt They the, just know nothing about him. I feel the same way about Hanipero Serra in California. Uh, I also think he his uh, reputation is quite maligned. He's he's held accountable for all the abuses that have happened to indigenous peoples, and yet he himself lived an exemplary and holy life, and uh, and actually defended the indigenous people against the uh, the military uh, government, and um, and uh, walked thousands of miles in his life to do so. Uh, it just it I find it mind boggling that. Uh, we can have a grievance, but to ignore or rewrite history seems woefully irresponsible, and yet people do it every day. Yeah, that's true. Um, when Going back to the like, taking him back in chains, a lot of people, his critics, will say, well, this proves the fact that he was a bad person and should be rejected. Was he? What happened when he got back? Was he exonerated? Was he actually in prison? What, what ended up happening with no. him? No, he explained everything to the uh, Queen Isabella, and she released him immediately. And, you know, then sent him back on another voyage. He made four voyages <laughs> eventually. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. It's pretty yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, uh, do you, what was, did you have any real negative uh, pushback on your book? Was there anybody, was it uh, that, that really did not like your book from a, 
historical or contextual point of view? Well, if so, I haven't heard from them. Well, praise be to God for that. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they just haven't read it. Maybe they haven't read it. <laughs> what about in, what? I mean, you're an anthropologist by trade. Uh, what about within those types of communities? Is Do they... Do they continue to look at this from a more modern perspective, or have you found that people within that community are more willing to look at? Because, I mean, I find it fascinating that you, like as you said at the beginning of our conversation, that you weren't looking at looking at Columbus, that you kind of fell into this based on your work elsewhere. Uh, do people in that community, are they more open to this uh, sort of a deeper dive than they've received previously? Well, the community I worked with were were Muslims in Turkey that had nothing to do with Columbus. No, I realize that, but I'm I'm speaking of more of the scientific community or or even folks oh. in, in the historical community. Have you found uh, that uh, they may be more willing to look at this from a fresh perspective as your book has given them? I haven't really heard too much from any of them, um, but I think some of them are using it Praise and hopefully changing people's views about Columbus. Uh, but I really don't know. I'm, you know, I'm long retired now, and so I don't know what's going on. Well, praise be to God. Carol, we're very grateful for your time today. Carol Delaney, the book is called Columbus and the Quest for Jerusalem. Get it at caroldelaney.com. Carol, thank you for your time today. God bless you. God love you, and have a great day. And I hope more people will read it. Amen. <laughs> we do, too. All right. That is going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. We're very grateful to Carol for joining us and the conversations we've had this hour. If you can join us in the next hour, praise be to God, we'll have a piece of good news for you. We'll have the game show, Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, and the after show to conversate about whatever you want to talk about, dear audience. Uh, and you can do that right on our website, if you like, at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning. God bless you. God love you. 6 a.m. Central. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. some friends who are Catholic who say that you don't have to believe everything that the church teaches, whether it's in the catechism or not. Is that true? No, it's not true. If you want to call yourself Catholic, but you want to pick and choose for yourself which of the church's teachings to accept and which to reject, you give everyone else who calls himself Catholic the right to do the same thing. For example, you believe women should be priests. In the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 1577, it states, Only a baptized man validly receives ordination. For this reason, the ordination of women is not possible. You don't believe that. Well, that's fine. I just made this a catechism of your Catholic Church, but not mine. But remember, if you can throw doctrines out, so can everyone else who calls himself Catholic. That gives Joe Parishioner over at St. Doubting Thomas Catholic Church the right to throw out the church's social justice teachings. He doesn't feel like feeding the hungry, caring for the poor, and all that other bleeding heart stuff. Paragraphs 2401 to 2463. I just made this a catechism of his Catholic Church, but not mine. You believe contraception is okay. Paragraph 2370 says contraception is intrinsically evil. Joe Parishioner doesn't like what the church teaches on the death penalty. Paragraphs 2364 to 65. 
You don't like what it teaches on these pages, pages 505 to 508. He doesn't like what it teaches on these other pages here, pages 610 to 615. Can you see what's happening? I heard it said once that there is a shortage of vocations to the priesthood in the United States, but no shortage of vocations to the papacy. If we don't believe in all of it, if we each appoint ourselves Pope and throw out a doctrine here or a doctrine there, then our faith is no longer Catholic. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern. Right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning to you. You have survived the weekend. Well done. You get to get back at it. Isn't that great? You just never know what's going to happen this week, what you're going to accomplish, how God will bless you, give you so many graces this week. I mean, it's going to be a great week, right? Whatever's going on in your life, God's will be done in all things. Deus vault. Let's make that the, uh, the, the, the battle cry for our life this week as it's Monday and we have to face it all over again. I had a great weekend. I don't know about you, but my family and I, we uh, enjoyed ourselves. I and my, one of my sons got to go camping and hunting this weekend out in West Texas, thanks to our friend Forrest and, and Blake for generously allow us to go out there. And the stars, oh, I love, I am a sucker for a great star field and the Milky Way, you could see the Milky Way, the shooting stars. I also, uh, fascinating fact, uh, don't tell anybody I said this to you. Okay, it's kind of a quirky thing, but I like to count satellites. So you can actually see satellites in in space flying over, and uh, so I like to point those out. So I tend to search the star fields and count up satellites, and you can see a bunch of them out there. It was so cool. Praise be to God. But the hunting, the exotic animals, bugling feet from you, it's just its very exciting. And, and then to put some of the healthiest meat on planet Earth in the freezer to feed your family, it's just amazing. God is so very good. So that was my weekend. Adrian, what did you do? Oh, man. Uh, Saturday was amazing. I did uh, – it's it a pretty long day, uh, but the highlight of Saturday was a, uh, we went to the TFP uh, seat in Humble, Texas, and uh, Mr. Thomas Drake from New Orleans came in to give a talk on St. John Bosco, and uh, I was blown away. I thought I knew the story of St. John Bosco. I did not know the story of St. John Bosco. He was such a stellar. He fought against the Freemasons. The Freemasons tried to execute him several times. Tried to really? ca- they, they hired Hitman to come after him. He, uh, a, a gunman showed up at his door, <laughs> and he stole his uh, pistol wow. from behind his back when he gave him a hug. And, uh, uh. He, and then so the guy went to draw his gun. He, he was like, you mean you're looking for this? It was holding up his pistol. 
Uh, he's like, they call me the uh, the priest of the pickpocket for a reason. <laughs> That's hilarious. So he was telling us great stories of because uh, of this political turmoil. Uh, Blessed Pius IX was a pope who started off as a liberal and then converted halfway through his papacy and became a staunch uh, traditionalist and conservative and ended up becoming a blessed. Wow. And so uh, it was amazing. I was there, Apparently there's a nine volume set story about his life. It was a two hour longer long uh, lecture on um, on uh, St. John Bosco. So I was blown that's away. Amazing. And that's on top of all the miracles and visions that he had. Blown away. Absolutely blown yeah. away. It was a great talk. Praise be to God. Good morning to you, Janice. Morning, Joe. Praise be to God. How was your weekend? It was good. Yeah. yeah, we um I I had a I, I shot a wedding on Friday. Wonderful. Uh it was a it was a pretty long long night for me on I'm sure. on Friday. Yeah. And then on Saturday I slept in, which was nice. I needed that. And then on Sunday um my uh we have a lot of family birthdays on October, so we we had um, my nephew who turned eight, my niece um, who turned five, and then my other niece who turned 18. So we had a triple birthday celebration <laughs> just because it would, it would get expensive to do yeah, a birthday every sure. weekend. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we, we kind of just bundled all the birthdays together, and we had, we had a big family birthday yesterday. Well, praise be to God. That sounds yeah. like fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the, the big bash. That's yeah. pretty cool. Praise God. <laughs> All right, we are going to dive into it. We're going to pray, and of course, we'll include your intentions in our prayer, and then I have a good news story for you, and then we'll do Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, and then we play our game, uh, Fear and Trembling, a brand new prize sponsor this week. We're looking forward to that, so uh, opportunities abound. Make sure to call in early, and hopefully Adrian will have the phones working, and uh, that'll all be smooth, but uh, we're looking forward to that first phone call at 15 past to give us our contestant for today. And then, of course, in the after show, we conversation say it about whatever you want to talk about so that's coming up in the second half of this hour on our live video feeds on uh, facebook i guess we're still on youtube at the moment and then we're on odyssey.com we're also on our website at grnonline.com forward slash cdt let's pray in the name of the father the son and the holy ghost amen remember O most gracious virgin mary that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection implored thy help or sought thine intercession was left unaided Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. And now for your good news for today. Praise be to God. We cover the uh, the heavier stuff in the first hour with two new segments. And in this hour, we like to do a little bit of good news. And today comes from lifenews.com. Federal appeals court rules Texas abortion ban can save babies from abortion once again. Praise be to Jesus. Uh, the article says a federal appeals court ruled late Friday night that the Texas abortion ban can go back into effect and save babies from abortion once again. As Life News reported, U.S. District Judge Robert Pittman was appointed by Barack Obama and sided with the Biden administration's Justice Department, which sued the state, arguing Texas's law was unconstitutional because it went against Roe v. Wade. Shortly after Judge Pittman issued his order, Texas officials quickly appealed, and they are seeking an emergency stay of Pittman's order in the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, which is known as perhaps the nation's most conservative appellate court. Last night, appellate judges blocked the lower court's ruling. 
The administrative uh, said the administrative stay rather is not permanent, but the pro-life victory optimistically signals how the court may rule on the merits of the case. Texas Right to Life Director and Media and Communications Director uh, Kimberlyn Swartz told LifeSite News, or Life News rather, this is an answered prayer. The Texas Heartbeat Act saves approximately 100 lives from abortion per day, and we're grateful that this tremendous impact will continue. We expect the Biden administration to appeal to the Supreme Court of the United States, and we are confident Texas will continue to defeat these attacks on our life-saving efforts, unquote, she said. Texas Right to Life continues to work with other states to replicate our success across the country. And that is your good news story for today. Praise be to Jesus. The saint of the day is Saint Maria Soledad Torres Acosta. She was born on the 2nd of December, 1826, at Madrid, Spain, as Emanuela Torres Acosta. She was a daughter of Francis Torres and Anita Acosta, and who ran a small business. From her youth, Emanuela felt a call to the religious life. When she was old enough to leave home, she applied to the Dominicans, you know, as everyone who is a wise, astute person decides to do. <laughs> but she was rejected due to poor health. She spent much time in prayer and discerning her call to vocation. And in 1848, she was asked by a Servite tertiary priest to head a new community of women dedicated to the ministering to the sick and the poor. She took the name Maria Soledad and dedicated herself to the new community, which in 1851 still numbered only seven. In 1855, the community split into two groups, one founding a new house in Ferdinand Po, and the other half remained with Maria Soledad and became the foundation of the Handmaids of Mary serving the sick. Saint Maria was briefly relieved of her position and the group nearly fell apart, but she was then soon reinstated. The community received Austin approval in 1861 and Maria Soledad spent 35 years as superior of the order. She would always lead by example and the group made a name for themselves working with victims of the Madrid-Spain cholera epidemic in 1865. By the time of her death, there were 46 handmade houses across the world. Praise be to God. She died on the 11th of October, 1887 of natural causes and was canonized on the 25th of January, 1970 by Pope Paul VI. Santa Maria Soledad Torres Ocasta, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 11, verses 29 through 32. While still more people gathered in the crowd, Jesus said to them, This generation is an evil generation. It seeks a sign, but no sign will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Just as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. At the judgment, the Queen of the South will rise with the men of this generation, and she will condemn them because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And there is something greater than Solomon here. At the judgment, the men of Nineveh will arise with this generation and condemn it, because at the preaching of Jonah they repented. And there is something greater than Jonah here. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. You might remember, we left off, I think it was Friday, 
uh, with the accusation against Jesus as the, he was casting out the devils by the prince of the demons, Beelzebub. And uh, so we have uh, the Venerable Bede points out this great contrast between uh, that which comes directly before this, right? So you got two groups here. Bede says, our Lord had been assailed with two kinds of questions for some accused him of casting out devils through Beelzebub, to whom up to this point his answer was addressed and others tempting him sought from him a sign from heaven. And these he now proceeds to answer. So you got these two great contrasts, and both seem to indicate what? A lack of actual faith to challenge Jesus. You got to give me a sign. You better prove yourself to me. You know, it's interesting. I went to a retreat many years ago, and the rector of that retreat challenged me to ask God for a sign. And I thought of this particular instance we don't ask God for a sign. That's not something we're supposed to do. And he's like, well, it comes down to your intent and your, you know, how do you approach the father? Do you want to challenge him? Do you want him to prove himself to you? Or are you a child coming to its, its father and asking for a shoring up? For a shoring up. Think, think about that for a second. And that I took to heart. And I did. I did ask the Father to shore me up. And he responded to my prayer very specifically. It blew my mind. And every time I have done so since those many years ago, he has always continued to blow my mind. Here's what St. Ambrose had to say about this today. Ambrose said, quote, Now as the sign of Jonas is a type of the Lord's passion, so also is a testimony of the grievous sins which the Jews have committed. We, have, we may remark at once both the mighty voice of warning and the declaration of mercy. For by the example of the Ninevites, both a punishment is denounced and a remedy promised. Hence, even the Jews ought not to despair of pardon if they will but practice repentance. Did you get that? The ardent sinner has great hope. If they call upon their father for a great shoring up, to ask for mercy, they shall receive it. But the time of mercy is going to pass. And when it does, we are left with the time of judgment. Let's not wait until then. Adrian? It's uh, very fascinating. I am kind of uh, sad reading the commentary of, of uh, Cornelius Lapide today because he points out, he says, you know, it is actually said that, the, that whenever Jonah preached the Ninevites, they converted, but they returned to their sin. And he goes, see my commentary on the, on Jonah for more information on that. And I'm like, that is horrible because that commentary is not in English. <laughs> so I can't read what it says right now. Uh, so that's very unfortunate, but it's very interesting because what is said here, he said, accept the sign of Jonah. And then you skip back down and she will condemn them. So what is it saying? It's saying that there will be a sign that can be given to some people and they will see the sign. They will understand the sign. And yet, they will still fall away. They still will fall away after receiving the sign that God has given. And this uh, goes straight against the once saved, always saved uh, ideology that the uh, Protestant, not all Protestants, but many Protestants, the Lutherans, the Calvinist uh, position that once you're saved, you cannot lose your salvation. And why is this an error? Well, because we see throughout scripture, our Lord shows great signs and people come to believe. And yet when they come to believe, they fall away. Many people have seen the truth, have recognized the truth, 
and decided out of the hardness of their hearts. And many people will say, but no, Scripture says that no one can snatch you from their hand who has been given to the Father. And yes, it's true. Amen. No one can snatch you from his hand except yourself because you're not snatching yourself out of the hand of Christ. No, you are walking away. And God will allow you to he'll give you up to your sin and you will be able to walk away from the coming of our Savior, from his signs that he has given to you because he loves us all and wills that all be saved. But we can walk away from his love and damn ourselves. All right. Well, speaking of walk away, don't walk away. Walk towards your phone and pick it up and dial the phone number and be our contestant to play our game, Fear and Trembling. Uh, You don't need to know the answers. You can win without knowing, and praise be to God for that. But the phone number that you need to call right now is 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. Call right now at 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Call now. We'll be right back. Fear and Chipling is coming up next. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10 through 11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin. Because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2.10-11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2, 10 through 11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children develop the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time in Fear and Trembling. Where today, it looks like all easy question Monday, praise be to God. But what we need is a caller. Uh, We need our first contestant on the phone so we can play the game. The phone number for you, if you've not played ever 
or it's been a while since you've played, call back at 877-757-9424. Call now. First caller gets to be the contestant at 877-757-9424. You don't need to know the answers to win our game. It's, the, it's just a lot of fun, really. At 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. The way this works, praise be to God, is we have three Catholic trivia questions. And uh, I, you don't need to know the answers to win, but it's because I don't ask you the questions. Instead, I will ask Janice, and I will ask Adrian. One of them will be right, and the other will be wrong. And the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whom do they trust more? And then every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. But praise be to God, there are, a f- in fact, a few secret hidden agenda items that I have with this. But I... I just ask you, please don't tell anybody that I've shared this with you. Keep this just between us, all right? So, uh, number one, we like to teach the faith. So, we look for teachable moments in the questions, which kind of means you're going to learn something you probably didn't know before, and that's always a good thing. And then we like to have fun with our contestants. They're good sports. They laugh with us, and we enjoy that quite a bit. It's always a good time. And then we give out prizes, which means... It's a winner for everybody involved because you're probably going to win something that's fun, and that means we have great sponsors. So here's the deal. This week, our sponsor is uh, a family-owned company in Sugarland, Texas called Blessed Friends Forever, and they're giving us a $50 value prize to give away this week, the Sacred Heart of Jesus and Immaculate Heart of Mary Pillow Dolls. Wow, praise be to God. You can find them on Instagram at Blessed Friends Forever or on, on their website, uh, so check them up uh, over on uh, Etsy as well. Blessed Friends Forever. That's the number four, by the way, on, on Etsy. Blessed Friends, the number four ever. And this is a Saint Pillow doll. Uh, they're made from a, an original design on premium cotton fabric measured approximately at nine and nine by five inches. They are a Saint plushes that are the perfect size for any use and comes in with a free prayer card and a saint pillow doll. Praise be to God. And again, you can find them on Etsy. Blessed friends, the number four ever uh, over on Etsy. All right. So that's the deal. That's the prize. That's what we're going to give away this week. Let's go to the phones. And thank you to those that did call in. Praise be to God. A good morning to you, Rhonda. Good morning. Praise be to God. Rhonda, where are you calling from? I'm calling from Pensacola, Florida. Pensacola, Florida. Florida's on the board. How's the weather in Pensacola right now? Um, it's cold. It's 71 right now. It's freezing cold. It's 71 degrees. Wow. Yeah. This is me shedding a tear for you, Rhonda. I mean, it was like <laughs> hot and muggy this morning trying to get out and go to work. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you anyway. Now, where do you go to church? <laughs> I don't. Well, we're going to pray. Like I was born... No, I I'm bor- I just started listening to your radio station because I want to go back to church. I was born Amen. Catholic, so I haven't found a church. I have I, I know where there is a church. I just haven't found a church. Well, praise be to God, Rhonda. We're going to be praying for you and for God's journey Thank in your you. life. And let me encourage you, go to the closest Catholic church you can find. Just go. I double-dog dare you I to will. go. All right. You ready to play the game? You know how the game is played? Yes. All right. I've been listening to you for about two weeks. Praise oh, Jesus. Praise well, we're glad to have you here, Rhonda. All right, so here's the deal. I'm going to go to Janice, as is our custom, to begin our game. Janice, are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Are you sure? Yes, 100%. Are you sure? Yep. 
Uh, mm-hmm. Janice, can you tell me what two colors are displayed on the papal flag? Oh, the papal flag. So that would be yellow, white, and orange. And orange. Yes. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's just get a second opinion here. Adrian, can you tell me what two colors are displayed on the papal flag? What two colors are displayed on the papal flag? Yeah, that would be yellow and white. <laughs> I'm sorry. <clears throat> Morning allergies, that's all. Okay, so uh, Rhonda, here's the deal. Adrian says the two colors are yellow and white. Whereas Janice says the two colors are yellow, white, and orange. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? I'm a math I'm a math teacher, and um, two colors would not be the three, so I'm going to go with the yellow and white. Excellent, excellent. I am very happy that uh, that we know you can count. I missed that part of the question. Curveball. I was was trying to make it easy for for guests. Well Well done, Rhonda. I'm so grateful that uh, you understand math. That's amazing. Praise be to Jesus. You're in the cup. You could now win. Praise be to God for that. Uh, Let's see if we can't double your chances, though. Uh, We're going to go to Adrian this time. Adrian. Uh That's dangerous. Yes, it's always dangerous to ask Adrian questions. But Adrian, can you tell me what famous statue represents Our Lady with the body of Christ taken down from the cross. Oh, I love this statue. I actually have a photo of a statue uh, hung up on my wall. Yeah. I love it that much. Wow. It's the Pieta. The Pieta. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Janice, mm-hmm. can you tell me what famous statue represents Our Lady with the body of Christ taken down from the cross? Hmm, that would be the the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Really? Fascinating. I don't know if huh, okay. Um, <laughs> so, Ron, Ron, Rhonda, uh, here's the deal. Uh, Janice seems to think that uh, the famous statue of Our Lady with the body of her son taken down from the cross is called the Our Lady of Guadalupe image. Whereas Adrian says it's the Pieta. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Rhonda, what say you? Well, I've been to the Vatican, and it is the Pieta, and it's the only statue that Michelangelo signed. Praise be to Jesus. Man, that was easy for that was easy for you, Rhonda. Like, wow. She was like, I don't even need yeah. options. I know this one. That's right. I've been there too. And you know, fascinating fact, somebody attacked that statue with a hammer and broke the nose. Oh my lord. Yeah. Yes. Very impressive statue though, right, Rhonda? It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Gorgeous. Yeah. Amen. Praise be to God. You're in for two. You're playing a great game today. Yay! Uh so uh we I think we can maybe get this. Yeah, I think we can probably get this last one done. We're going to get maybe the trickiest. I don't know, but you probably, probably the got trickiest. it. What was that? I think it's the trickiest. You do? I do. All right, we're going to go to Janice oh. first. <laughs> Janice, uh, can you tell me what is the common term for Our Lady of Chestahoa? What else do they call that? We also call her the Black Madonna. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Hmm, let's see. Now, Adrian's been to Poland, so Uh-oh, he ought to dangerous. know this. Okay. Now uh, you're putting me on the spot. Adrian, 
What is the common term for Our Lady of Chestahoa? Let's see. Our Lady of Chestahoa is also known as uh, Our Lady Queen of Poland. Our Lady Queen of Poland. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Rhonda, here's the deal. Adrian says it's Our Lady Queen of Poland, whereas Janice says it's the Black Madonna. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? What is the other common term for Our Lady of Chestahova? Rhonda, what say you? The Black Madonna. Black Madonna. I think it is. She got wow. that. Wow, that was good. That was a hard wow, one. Wow, really good. I, 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 I was in the Navy and then to Poland, too. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's amazing. Wow, it's Black Madonna because uh, uh, of all the awesome. soot. They put so many candles in front of the image yes. that her uh, it became her skin became black because yes, of the soot. True, and she has scars <laughs> on her face from a, pole, uh, from a Protestant, right? Yeah, they attacked her and they slashed her face. Yeah. Mm, I feel like you're more you're uh, more careful than you think you are. I'm glad we didn't put money on this, Rhonda. (laughs) You might have been hustling us. I'm not sure. God's telling me to go back to church. Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. Come to church, (laughs) Rhonda, and uh, we're grateful for you playing the game with us today. It's such a pleasure to have you on our show, but we're going to put you on hold, but God bless you. God love you. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Praise be to God. What a fun guest. Uh, That was amazing. Praise be to Jesus, Uh, but that is going to do it for the radio side of our program today. We're very grateful for the conversations, the stories we've covered today. Uh, I want to thank Carol Delaney for being our guest in the first hour about her book on Christopher Columbus. It might be an opportunity for you to maybe Google uh, Carol Delaney and Columbus and the Quest for Jerusalem on YouTube. She has lectures and interviews that she's done if you want to dive deeper into the myths of Christopher Columbus that she has debunked in her book. And by the way, Carol's not a Catholic, and she's just honest and i think that can go a long way right now and to better understanding and the the history that's been rewritten on the life and story of christopher columbus he had great intentions praise be to jesus unfortunately he's taken the fall for all those that did not have great intentions at any rate we're going to go into the after show and we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about you get to drive that conversation all you got to do is be our guest on the uh, live video feeds Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. God bless you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Welcome to the after show of our program. Tammy, that's your town, isn't it? Pensacola. Yeah, amen to that. Praise be to Jesus. That was fun. Rhonda was fun. And uh, we'll be keep Rhonda in your prayers. She's obviously on a journey, and we're so grateful that we had a chance to talk to her. Um, praise be to Jesus in all things. Uh, let's see here. Let me just, uh, I guess I have to do my housekeeping first. The after show is where we conversate about whatever it is you want to talk about. But here's the kicker for Mondays. If you're new here, 
Mondays are always abbreviated. It's shorter every Monday because Adrian has another show to produce at the top of the hour, so he has to have time to get ready for that. So we always cut things off at 45 after. So if you want us to comment on something, you better do it sooner rather than later because we're going to run out of time pretty fast. Otherwise, oh, we just talk about movies and food. That's the rules. That's the rules. Um, that's pretty common. That's, yeah, that's the uh, way that goes. Minor, minor uh, addendum to this week's Monday after show uh-huh. is that uh-huh. uh, we will actually have more time, a little bit really? more time, really? because um, Bree Dale uh-huh. uh, is going to be out of town today oh. for uh, for Columbus Day. I see. Uh, she gets the day off uh, from uh, her military contract work. And uh, so she is uh, taking a vacation. I forgot where she said she was at. So we're actually playing a pre-recorded show uh, with Bree. Uh, so that means I don't have to. We don't have to jump off as early. So we'll probably jump off like fifty or fifty-five. Okay. Mm-hmm. So a well, little bit more time. Still pray, shorter. Praise be but to God. A little bit more time. All right. Well, I can take a nap then. This is great. Um, Wait, what? hold on, what? <laughs> no, you have more work to do. Oh, darn it. I thought it was the other way. Anyway, no, I'm just, I'm teasing, of course. I'm tired, though. Um, the, I love camping and hunting, but it wears me out because we don't sleep much for a couple of days. And, uh, you know, I was trying to figure out where I was going to go to Mass. I had some options. I talked about them at the end of last week. But then I decided, especially since I harvested a doe Saturday evening, that um, I could uh, hunt one last time Sunday morning and then wrap up quickly and head home and take my family to Holy Mass. So that's what we did. Oh, wow. You made it to RC? I did, yeah. Wow. So we drove. We, we packed everything up. We were on the road by 1030 and got home in time to unpack and shower. I took a quick 20-minute nap. And then, Oof, dude. And then we went to Mass. Yikes. So, and it was awesome. Praise be to God. We, pref- you know, we love going to our Mass. So, so that was nice. Uh, and the, like I said, the camping was just really amazing. I mean, the the whole environment. I have to say, though, um, in regards to their interview with with Doctor Carol, Del- Carol Delaney, um, yeah, that, her did, book that was rough, man. Yeah, it was a very rough That's interview. Rough it was interview. very rough interview. I interviewed her a year ago, <laughs> oh, man. and it wasn't that rough. But a year ago, when I interviewed her, I think she's getting old. She called me, you so you can't I, call out old people like that, dude. I, and it's just it's What's not because I'm not. It's not What's an insult against her. I think oh, she's, really. I think because, like, Come for instance, on. I uh, told her on Friday the show, and then she she called me because she wanted to know some of the details about how the format was going to be. And so we talked for about five, six minutes. And um, and then Saturday, she emailed me again asking, hey, can we talk before the interview so we can discuss uh, what we're going to talk about? And I was like, uh-oh, is she, like, uh, like she forgetting and so we talked and we literally hashed out the exact same details that we talked about the day before. And I was like, oh, yikes. And then Sunday, she emailed me and goes, oh, my goodness, did I miss the interview? I'm so sorry. And I was like, no, 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 no. the interview is on Monday. Um, and then when she hopped on, she thought she was giving her paper. And uh, we had actually talked beforehand. And she had said that she was presenting a paper on Christopher Columbus on Monday, today, um, later in the afternoon. Yeah, and she so, probably confused and us. And so she probably confused us with yeah. uh, the interview she was doing or the paper I, she was presenting. I have, I mean, I re- I've listened to her being interviewed, I think it was last year, year before. I forget. I've heard her interviews before, even on Catholic radio. I've heard her before. And then, of course, I heard your interview with her last year. Mm. And uh, very fascinating. The, the only thing that, I, that he ever gave me pause about interviewing her before was that she's not Catholic 
And then I felt like we might get into a debate over something like the Crusades or whatever. You know? Yeah. But I, I her, never had that. What I, what I do appreciate about Carol is the fact that because she's not Catholic, and as far as we can tell, pretty much agnostic, right? Deist, you know, kind of. That's what I'm thinking. Like, she didn't say. Believes but in a higher power, but that's about the extent that's of it. Kind of what I'm gathering. Um, and yet she still is honest enough to go, well, hold on. The facts don't add up to this, so this hijacking of this person. And justifying the taking down of his statues or the, you know, the uh, blaming him for all moral atrocities. You know, it's, it's ridiculous. They, we assign these crimes to people that aren't guilty of them. They become the representative of all crimes committed against indigenous peoples. Why? They didn't commit them. His intentions were good. His intentions were to do business trade, to create Christians with them. He spoke lovingly and, and good of them. Um and yet we're blaming him for everything. It's insane. You know, one of the points I love about uh, talking about Christopher Columbus is not only did he have good intentions, as Carol points out, to support the cause to, to recapture Jerusalem. He also was a committed Catholic who mm-hmm. had devout piety. Said he, the bravery every day. On his ships, mm-hmm. sailing over. At the end of the day, they said the last gospel, which is John 1, right? The mm-hmm. prologue in John's, John 1 in the gospel. Um, so by all evidence, he's a good guy, right? But not only that, let's think about the pagan indigenous world that is now being so supported, right? So like I saw some stories, I mentioned the one briefly as we were closing the what's concerning us section about the school in Toronto doing the book burning to include books on Columbus because somebody in the, in the indigenous community that they thought was legitimate, turns out not told them to burn these books like Catholic school, really? Good grief. I mean, b- book burning should be reserved for heresies. Yeah. Not for this stuff. I'm a huge but advocate like, of book burning. Okay, what about this? Um, uh, Naom, the governor of South Dakota, Christy Naom, the conservative governor of South Dakota that everybody rails about. Well, she's saying happy Indigenous Day to her people today. Um, so it's a mixed bag. You can't... You can't Divide upon party lines. You have to divide upon your Catholic faith, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to these things, because simply because someone is conservative and or Republican versus liberal and Democrat, like that's not the standard. The Catholic faith is the standard. And let the chips fall where they may. When it comes to Christopher Columbus, he came into a world where there were good guys and bad guys in the indigenous world. And he points that out. He points the, you know, the, the loving nature of these indigenous people that he said were natural Christians. They just mm-hmm. needed baptism and the sacraments. But you also see pretty horrific uh, cases in the indigenous world. Right. Mm-hmm. You have torture. You have slavery. Cannibalism. Cannibalism. Mm-hmm. You have uh, the, the worshiping of idols and devils. Uh, the, think of the Aztecs. But what about the Huron? Right? Um, there are so many things that go on in the indigenous world before Europeans ever show up where one native population invades the next and slaughters them and steals their, steals their hunting land. You know, um, so that's apparently ignored and forgotten these days, and we only focus on the crimes of the, of the Europeans that came over. It seems very hypocritical at best. Right. I think uh, I highly recommend getting Carol's book because she actually traces this in her book about the good uh, natives from the from uh, the Americas that they that he met, 
and uh, talks about how he thought they were amazing, they were wonderful, like Joe was saying, the natural Christians that needed to be catechized and given the sacraments, and uh, and and then the bad natives that were there because they he actually helped defend the uh, the good natives that he befriended and uh, against those who he uh, the, those bad natives who were trying to like slaughter, eat people. And the like. Also, I, I just the worth of her book is a preface to her book or her introduction to the book because it lays out the historical context of Christopher Columbus, and she doesn't lay judgment on them, even though she's kind of writes about she's like you know I don't really agree with the Crusades uh, per se, but you have to admit and you look at this situation and you, she traces the Muslims coming in and uh, taking over Hagia Sophia, and the, she retells the story of the battle going on there and the Catholics coming to defend and then not coming to defend and the these crusaders and she retells this whole story epic story and she uh and so like you know i don't 100 percent agree with the crusades but you have to admit from the christian perspective this is a huge deal this yeah. is massive yeah. and uh also in a footnote uh which i talked to her about a little bit in the um in the in my interview with her a year ago um the, she didn't really source this she didn't look into it uh, but she had it included in a footnote that the uh, at the first Vatican Council they actually discussed canonizing Christopher Columbus and they opened up the cause for canonization for Christopher Columbus and I'd be very interested to see someone uh, dig up those uh, documents because I couldn't find them I was looking for them and I couldn't find them and I was hoping yeah. she would have any information but she didn't um, but the thing is uh, yeah but his case was dropped not because they found out anything bad about him but because of the turmoil after Vatican one and they just never was never picked up again afterwards yeah very sad I don't know. I yeah. don't know what's it's up. Very with that. Sad. Very it's very sad. Very sad they never picked it up. And again. now, I, will they ever pick it up again? I mean, the political no, opinions no of the modern age is such that you're not allowed to support people. I mean, it's amazing that Saint Hipposero was canonized in the midst of all of this. Well, his controversy happened after he was canonized. That's probably why. No, Pope Francis canonized him. Yeah, for and then and then the next year. But while he was about, they announced they were going to canonize him, and then. People came oh, out of the woodworks against him. Yeah, but his he was pretty much already all, everything but canonized at that point. But again, why do we blame Christopher Columbus for the crimes of his of his successors? Why do we blame Hanipero Serra for the crimes of the military commanders and others? Um, it just doesn't make sense on the merits of their life and their work. We should not hold them accountable for those things that they're not guilty of. Yeah, I it's think it's crazy. awesome, and I think uh, Christopher Columbus, like just reading about his life and the defense of him from uh, Carol, I was like, wow, this guy really, really is a saint. Um, yeah, and maybe, maybe one day his cause for canonization will be opened up again. Not anytime soon, definitely not. But um, we'll yeah, see. I mean, he was we'll he was chosen for um, the Knights of Columbus for a reason, right? Yeah, uh, they Father McGivney really thought that he was a model of virtue, a model uh, for Christians to to follow. And so they named him Knights of Columbus. And, and really that's very fitting because Christopher Columbus really did primarily want to do this for the coming of, uh, the, of Christ and for the victory of the Crusades. Yeah. And that's what actually got Carol interested in originally because she was studying like millennialism, studying of like the predictions of the, of the second coming of Christ and yeah. uh, doomsday predictions and realized that Christopher Columbus wrote extensively uh, talking about his predictions of when Christ would come and write, wrote about um, of the, the second coming of Christ and that he would descend upon Jerusalem, which is actually what the church teaches, uh, by the way. 
Um, Father Von Kocham's Four Last Things, excellent book, I highly recommend. Uh, he talks about how our Lord will descend upon the Valley of Jehoshaphat, and that's where he will uh, will have a second coming. And so the the Christians then were like, like this is important. The Holy Land is important for a lot of reasons, but one of the big reasons is this is where Christ will come again, and we need yeah. to have, make way and prepare a place for him when he comes. Yeah, amen to that. Praise be to God. Hey, uh, I just want to say hello to some folks here. Tammy, of course, uh, from uh, from Pensacola. Praise be to God. Good to see you, Tammy, again, hanging out with us. Not a lot of chatting going on over on the uh, YouTube side today, uh, but uh, hello to everybody hanging out there. Of course, Mike, our friend, hanging out on odyssey.com. You know, uh, loved Rhonda today. That was amazing to have Rhonda on our Thank you, Brick game Wall. show. Yeah, praise be to God. Interesting story about Thank Rhonda. Um, so That's hilarious. <laughs> interesting story about her. She called in, and I. She was the first one, so I. I was going to screen her to you. Yeah. But um, I accidentally hung up on her. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> and I. I think that was like you know divine providence. You know. Oh, you know man. her guardian angel prayed for her to get back on because. Um, <laughs> She, I, I disconnected the call and then I was like, oh, great. I have, you know, I, I, I told her I, that she was the first caller and then we had another caller come in, but thankfully she called in really quickly Yeah, and I was, a, I was able to get her back get on. Get her back on. Praise but, be to God um, for that. Yeah. So definitely there was a lot of spiritual warfare this morning <laughs> from her not getting on the radio Amen. show. Well, we're glad that she was on. That was a lot of fun. Buddy, good morning to you. Patty, of course, hanging out with us this morning. Ubi, good morning. Uh, thank you for hanging out with us. Uh, Eric Rodriguez, good morning to you. Praise be to God. Eric wants to know where's your hat. Yeah. I Normally I wear a hat. The primary reason is because I don't want to comb my hair in the morning. Uh, but I left my hat in my truck and I was I was like, I already walked up the stairs. I'm not going back to get it. So I was like, I'll just comb my hair. So I went to the restroom and combed my hair. Wow. So, there you go. <laughs> well, it's a good thing you've combed your hair at least once in your life. Anyway. Uh, I would say seven times. A whole yeah, seven. That's seven amazing. Times, yeah. Myra, good morning. It's good to see you back here. Praise be to God. It's been a while. Myra says uh, that uh, her husband, Travis, an incredible man, by the way, and uh, they've been running every morning and listening to us on uh, while they jog. Uh, they first, they pray the rosary. So praise be to God. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Uh, let's see, Lori, good morning. Rhonda was great. Amen to that. Of course, Josh Patterson's hanging out with us today. And then uh, Christopher Chance is hanging out with us. Praise be to God. Let's see who else is on here. Sida, good morning to you. Thanks for uh, hanging out with us. Jesus Robles, our friend of the show. Joaquin Hernandez is hanging out with us as well. So th- hello and good morning to everybody there. If you're new here and you've never commented before, let me encourage you, please do comment on the program uh we always love to recognize our first time commenters that'd be amazing uh praise be to god i am ready for a, a nap though i'm like i have to go home and process deer meat though oh you know what i'm doing <clears throat> later today what's that i'm going to the uh the tfp house and we're going to be singing um a chant from the book of revelation uh from the apocalypse and uh, <laughs> and we're going to record it and we're going to try to do something with it so uh, oh, really that's what i'm doing later today yeah <laughs> that's amazing yeah and I'm I'm also going to be preparing for a uh, I'm debating a Protestant guy. Tell I was telling you about him before. Uh, the, when I met at the abortion clinic, I invited oh, yeah. him on to my podcast to talk about uh, salvation. So we're going to talk about that. Nice. So, and how do people find your podcast? Uh, you can look up Catholic Conversations. It doesn't usually pop up, so you got to kind of dig for it because it's a uh, it's not doesn't pop up as a first result uh, when yeah. you look for it. So if you type in Catholic Conversations, Adrian Fonseca. 
you might find it. If not, it's it's everywhere. It's on uh, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, YouTube, everywhere that uh, you, that you listen to podcast app. Yeah. So. Oh, Mike said he watched Cry Macho yesterday. Other than the language, it is a wonderful movie. Oh, I saw James Bond on Friday. That's right. Hold, That's what I did. Uh, Mike, let's talk about, about Cry Macho. Uh, Cry Macho. Um, I watched the trailer, and I was like, I don't think I could watch this. But it wasn't because of what I thought would be language. It was because of what I felt was the taking uh, an iconic person in Hollywood – Clint Eastwood, in his elder, I mean, what, what he's like 90? He's, he's like in his late 80s, I think. He's got a lead, he's the, I think he's 90. No way. Let I, me see, I'm going to look it up. Uh, yeah, look it up. And put making him in a fight scene at 90? I don't know. I don't. That's not how I want to remember Clint Eastwood. What say you, Mike? Did you feel like it was going to potentially ruin the image of Clint Eastwood in your mind? I mean, this is Gunny Highway. Oh, you're right. He's 91. Yeah, thank you. He's 91. Holy moly, I thought he was like 87. No. Oh my goodness. <laughs> He's 91, and he has a fight scene in the movie. I just can't, I, oh I, I can't let uh, them do that to Gunny Highway. It just, it just seems rather peculiar to That's me. That's horrible. But Mike, what was your opinion? Um, oh my goodness. He is great. He is a great old man. Well, yes. there you go. Uh, Praise God. I saw the new James Bond movie, and... Um, it was pretty good. It was okay. It was really long. It was three hours, and I actually um, didn't didn't feel like three hours. So it was good in that sense that I didn't wasn't bored out of my mind for three hours. Um, three but, hour James Bond film. Yeah. Who decides these things? Yeah. James Bond is a, an hour and a half popcorn film. Nah, dude. It depends. Some of them are. What shorter. does it depend on? It's it, James Bond. What do you mean? We're not talking about deep cultural anything. This uh, the James Bond movie. This one was uh, so. If you've been keeping up the Daniel Craig series, um, this episode, this uh, movie really summarizes like it has a through line from all the movies. It's, it's not like an individual film. Like you can go watch it if you've never seen any other Bond films, but it's so good if you've seen the other ones because it has a through line from the past movies. The villain wasn't great. wasn't a great villain. And um, what I really hated was like the female James Bond. They tried to push in there. Uh, they had a female 007, and uh, I'm pretty sure they're setting up for having the next James Bond be a woman. And I'm like not there for it. Um, but it was still a good film. I uh, there is of course you know there's always a scene with a uh, with a woman, but there was only one actually. So it was actually not as bad as I was expecting, especially for a three hour film. <laughs> three hour uh, film is and and so it was surprisingly tense. wholesome. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you have the typical James Bond things happen, but minus uh, a well, couple of times that it happens. Skyfall was interesting because of the Catholic themes. Skyfall, Catholic themes of Skyfall. Yeah, what? It's, it's there's some subtlety there, but you know, like for instance, the You're making the, things up. No, I'm not. The priest's hiding hole and and all this other stuff. It's pretty cool, um, but it's Bond at the end of the day, as uh, Bishop Olmsted points out. You have an adolescent male, you know, uh, character who treats women like uh, objects. Okay, well, know. that's the thing about this James Bond film. Actually, it's kind of uh, shows him like actually falling in love with a woman, and like. This is the that's the kind of the through line of the story mm. for this movie where he's like realizing because the last Bond girl that he ha- was with uh, two movies ago or a movie ago uh, dies yeah. in the last movie. Spoiler alert if you didn't see that movie. Whoops. Yeah. I should say that before Oopsies. you spoil something. Not I don't after. watch Bond films anymore. Uh, so there you but go. the this one he he falls in love with a woman and has a kid with her. And uh, really? And yeah. 
I see. Yeah. I, I, I just spoiled the whole I've movie. Gi- I've given I just spoiled the whole I've movie for anybody who wants Bond. to see it. I've given up on Bond years ago, so I it's very fascinating. It's a it's yeah. a it's a love letter to yeah, uh, to James Bond. Like a, like a, I know the whole. The, sorry, guys, if y'all are going to see it, <laughs> I just spoiled the whole <laughs> movie. Just, now save your pennies. I tell you what, just save your pennies and don't don't give it to James Bond. Just now you know the outcome. You don't no need to watch. By the way, I think we have a first time commenter on Odyssey. Where's that? Praise be to God. Uh, Sci Fi Mike. Sci Fi Mike. Sci-fi Praise be to Mike. God. Praise be to God. Welcome and uh, welcome thanks for to the team. Commenting. Yeah, amen. Awesome. Praise be to God. We're glad awesome. you're here. Thank you for commenting for the first time. Uh, Sci-Fi Mike, where are you from? Let us know. I'd like to know. Praise be to Jesus. The other Mike on Odyssey says uh, he, he thought he was a great old man. We're talking about Clint Eastwood now and, and Cry Macho. <laughs> you he hear, said there, just, wait, he did said you read Sci-Fi Mike's comment? Hold on. He said he's sort of a fight scene. He says the rooster wins it. So <laughs> that's a kind of a... Uh, a giveaway too, I guess, right there. What was the comment? Did you read Sci-Fi Mike's comment? Go for it. He said, uh, by the way, if you don't want to call me Sci-Fi Mike, you can call me the other Mike or Odyssey, uh, the mother Mike on Odyssey or the Mike trying to listen at work. <laughs> <laughs> he said, no, uh, I've been here before. Oh, okay. okay he's, well, he's from Rochester, New York. I can't keep track of all the handles. You know, there but, you go. Uh, praise God, Mike. We're glad to have you back then anyway. And you Thank still you. deserve the uh, hallelujah anyway. Thank you, other Mike on Odyssey yeah. or Mike trying to listen at work. Yeah, praise <laughs> be to Jesus. Uh, buddy asks, what is going on with prosecutors that are not prosec- uh, pressing charges on criminals? Are Democrats trying to promote anarchy? Yeah, there's an argument there, right? I mean, look at all of the uh, look at all of the the Antifa riots last year, the BLM riots last year, where things were burning and being destroyed, and people were being arrested and then released and not being prosecuted. People being released from prisons because of COVID regulations. The um, six hundred dollar theft rule out in san francisco so people are just stealing stuff and nobody's processing them or whatever who was it um was it uh ted cruz i think there was somebody on capitol hill last week my brain is foggy at the moment so i can't recall the details but they were pressing the lady who is being appointed uh in the justice department and she refused to call antifa rioters terrorists when at the same time we saw last week the the um, uh, attorney general calling parents domestic terrorists for opposing critical race theory and mask lockdown mandates at schools at the school boards. So there is definitely something afoot. I don't think you have to be a rocket science or Sherlock Holmes to figure that out. Sherlock Holmes, female. Okay, female James Bond movie will fall fail miserably. Absolutely. Yes, it's it's ridiculous. Why do they feel the need to do such I, things? The only time I. Am semi okay with uh, women action heroes is if it's a superhero movie because then at least they have superpowers. Well, if the fe- um, if the character was always female, sure, makes sense. No, no, no. See what I'm well, saying? What if the character was never a female to begin with? No, see, I'm making a different point. My point is the um, is the fact that a female action hero doesn't quite make sense because women aren't. Um, like they're not strong as men and so seeing a woman go around a, just a regular woman not a superhero a regular woman go around beating up men twice her size like no amount of martial arts is going to be able to make like even it's it's even unbelievable to see a male action heroes beat up like six guys at a time but at least you can have suspension of disbelief but to see a woman who's like 150 pounds beat up guys that are like 300 pounds it makes no sense and it like completely 
uh, takes me out of the movie immediately. It's the only time I can uh, withstand it is whenever they have uh, superheroes. So they have superpowers. And I'm like, okay, well, in that yeah. case, obviously they can do those things. But yeah. a regular woman. Crouching Tiger, up, Hidden Dragon, man. That's a great movie, dude. That's <laughs> uh, a great that's movie. That's an exception to your rule. That's an exception because <laughs> they're like flying around. <laughs> no, Adrian's exceptions. They're like flying <laughs> and they're doing like. On one hand, <laughs> it doesn't count. He's railing against women beating up men. The other one, on the other hand, he's like, oh, but it's so great. And crouching that tiger doesn't count. Dragon. They're like flying uh, around on wires. Josh, it's awesome. Josh, we don't have an EQ. That's probably on your end, my friend, not on ours. Sorry. Maybe it's the internet, sir. Facebook or something. Who knows? But definitely uh, is not. we don't have an EQ here that gets adjusted. So God love you. God bless you. Thanks for hanging out. Have a great day. We'll see you back here tomorrow for another round of Catholic Drive Time. And uh, tomorrow, I think we're going to speak with Dr. Greg. Otaro from the Catholic Psych Institute. So we'll see you then, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Uh, forming and inspired. Tell a friend. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. I have a friend in Jesus. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. He taught me how to live my life as it should be. He taught me how to turn my cheek when people laugh at me. I've had friends before, and I can tell you that he's one who will never leave you flat.